Hello and welcome to Open Arms Church. My name is Sean Booth and the pastor here and it's so great to have you with us. Can you believe it is the 5th of December? Almost three weeks until Christmas, I decided to crack out the Christmas jumper What I can only wear it a few days a year. And you know, these next few weeks, we've got great things planned here at Open Arms. And we have our special Christmas carols services that we do uh, once a year. And this year, we're doing it on Sunday, the 19th of December. We would love for you to join us, uh, bring your family, invite some of your friends to come for this great celebration in Dublin. Our services are at 10 and 11.30. And in Newbridge, we're going to be meeting at 5 and 7 o'clock that night. So four opportunities to come and join with us at our Christmas carols. Well, today is week three of our series, Winning the War in Your Mind. And it's a series that's based on a book that we've been reading called um, Winning the War in Your Mind by Pastor Craig Rochelle. It has impacted me greatly. I would love for you to pick it up. You know, right now you can, you can uh, go to the description below and you'll find the link and be able to get that for Christmas or for the new year to invest in your life. And the core message is very simple. Change your thinking, change your life. You know, all of us, we want to change at least one area of our life. And in order to do that, we need to change our thinking. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's easy to say, but it's incredibly difficult to do. To not be conformed by the pattern, by the way things are going of the world. To not allow what's on the outside to actually seep into and defeat me on the inside. To not allow the battle in my mind to defeat me and to roll over me, but instead to be transformed. To experience freedom and liberty and transformation through the renewing of our minds through one way and one way only through the through the Word of God. And that is how we renew our minds, is through the life-giving Word of God. And so we see some scriptures found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a wrong pattern or pathway of thinking that becomes a dominant thought in our mind that actually may even be a lie that we believe as truth. And how do we do battle in our minds? Well, verse 5 says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What do we do when we experience the battles of our mind, when we experience the negative thoughts, the negative mindsets? We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You know, why does every thought matter? It matters because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. The life that you have right now is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. You see, what comes into our minds tends to come out of our lives. If we have a negative mind, a mind that is always consumed with negative thoughts and what's going wrong and what I should do, it's almost impossible to live a positive, free, and fulfilled life. And here's the title of my message today. It's this. Defeat your negative thoughts. Defeat 
your negative thoughts. I am praying that the Lord will inspire you today, speak to you, encourage you, build you up in the faith, and motivate you to defeat your negative thoughts. It's an, it's an action that we need to take. We need to be actively waiting, not waging war as the world does, not using the weapons of the war, but with the word of God, defeating the negative thoughts in our minds. For the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the neural pathways that takes place in our brain. In other words, every time you have a thought or every time you create a new experience, you, you begin a new pathway in your mind, a new pattern in your mind, and your experiences and your thoughts are, are wiring or programming your brain. In other words, the, the new thought that you may have, well, the repetition of that thought, the constant thinking of that thought, it, it creates a pathway in your mind where it becomes easier every time you think it to think it. What happens is you can picture that pathway is growing deeper and deeper and deeper and it becomes something that becomes so natural to us. And this is great news, of course, when we're thinking on good things, when we're thinking on the Word of God and the promises of God, but this is incredibly suffocating, diminishing, and destructive when we are thinking on negative thoughts. And oftentimes, that's our default. To look at what's wrong, to look at what we see as negative, and actually allowing that to create neural pathways and dominant thoughts in our mind. Well, to draw this idea out further and to look more and expand on neural pathways, I want to talk to you today about something called cognitive bias. Cognitive bias. A simple definition for a cognitive bias is a mistake in reasoning based on personal experiences or preferences. It's, it's the way that you uh, think of and see the world based on what you have experienced or even based on your preferences in which you have adapted through life. Many people refer to this as a mental filter or a mental framework that we have in our lives. You know, Maybe you grew up in a particular context that was very difficult, a hard life, maybe growing up in poverty or just a difficult household or, or maybe having experiences that brought great pain and loss or maybe you experienced something of traumatic in your mind or a hardship and because of this, you develop a framework of thinking or you adapt a, a filter where you might see a situation that is incredibly inaccurate to the truth, but the way that you see it is your truth. And what happens is that every situation that you look through this filter or this framework with, or every person that may actually relate in that way, you see it, and that's all that you see. For example, you maybe grew up in a household or in a community where you experienced abusive men or abusive fathers, men who used uh, their physical strength or their cutting words to manipulate others, to abuse others. And now as you go through life and as you walk through life, when you see men, all that you see is, is through the lens of that abuse. And even though you may know that not all men are, are abusive or dominating or domineering, you relate to them in the same way of the filter and the framework that you have adapted and that you have gone through. It, it shapes how you see men. Maybe um, when you were younger, maybe your parents separated or divorced. 
and it, it starts to develop within you a filter and a framework of thinking, the marriage always ends in divorce. The marriage is just a setup for a failure. In fact, you begin looking at commitment in that way where, where it's just a setup like a house of cards to come tumbling down. And therefore, you have this bias, this filter, this thinking, this framework where every relationship that you engage in is seen through that filter. Maybe you were bullied as a child. You were picked on. You're called certain names. And how you view yourself is exactly through the names and the ways in which others saw you. Maybe you spent your life moving from town to town, school to school, country to country, and never experiencing true stability. And therefore, you feel in life that you can never put down roots, that you can never be stable, because the filter in which you see the world is through your experience or your preferences. You see, the filter you have shapes how you see life. This is really interesting because if you change the filter, it often changes how you feel. If you change the filter in which you look through, it changes how you view the world. It changes how you view relationships. You know, we all know this when we're maybe posting a photo on social media and you're looking through and you look at the phone and you're like, it doesn't look that great, so what do you do? You put a filter on it. And for some reason, now the photo looks great. And you post it and people comment on it. And, you know, my wife Jillian has great experience with this because she just has, it's an art really because uh, myself and Jill and our four little boys and she'll get us. There's just complete madness going on. And she'll get us and set us up and say, stop doing that. Okay, give us a smile. And she might take 10 photos, takes one of those 10 photos, puts a filter on it, and all of a sudden, it looks amazing. Isn't it true? A picture of what exactly happened? No, but it's a filter that makes it look good. It's the same is true for our life. When you change the filter in which you see life, it changes and shapes how you feel and how you view life and your experiences and your relationships. To have a cognitive bias based on your past experience or based on the preference that you have, it can be called a default filter. It, it's where your brain is pre-wired to see something as you believe it, even maybe before it's even happened. It's pre-wired to interpret a certain situation, even if our interpretation isn't completely accurate. You know, this is how you can see and have two people in the same situation go through the same circumstance and have two completely stories. They have two completely interpretations of the, of the actual uh, situation that happened. And what is true in life, it's, it's not the facts that are different, it's the filter. You know, we might, maybe in our workplace, a supervisor may have two employees that they've got to give feedback to and they, for some reason, have chose to give the exact same feedback to the two people in the exact same way and, and tone, and maybe almost at the exact same time. And what we see is we see two completely uh, filters. The first one may be the response is, how dare you? How can you view me that way? Do you not understand all that I do for this company, and you give me feedback like that? And then we have another person receiving the exact same feedback but through a different filter may say, thank you so much for giving me that feedback. 
Because of this feedback, now I can become a better worker. I I can learn more. I I can adapt more. Thank you for being honest with me. What we see is the facts are the same, but the filter is different. We may see two people turn up and come to church maybe for the very first time. They even come together. And the first one comes and experiences it and thinks to themselves, Christians are hypocrites. This music is too loud. These people are too fake. I hate this place. I'm never coming back. Another person with the same experience but a different filter may come and say, wow, everyone is so loving. I love the music. I believe that God brought me here for a purpose and I want to come back. We see that the facts are the same But the filter is different. And when we change the filter, it can change how we feel, how we see the world, and how we view our lives, our relationships, and our experiences. We can see throughout Scripture uh, many, many examples of this. And one in particular comes to mind is a story found in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. It was the story of Israel coming out of slavery and captivity in Egypt and in They were about to enter into the promised land, and Moses, he gathers one spy from uh, each of the 12 tribes, 12 spies in total, to go out into the land, to survey the land, to see whether the land is good, or to see what is going on, and to see what the story is. And so they all go out into the land at the exact same time, but seeing things entirely differently. And what we have is we have a, a breakaway. We've got Two people who came back and said, the land is flowing with milk and honey. This land is a great blessing. God has given us this land. But what we see happen is the exact same situation and story, but 10 out of the 12 come back and say that the land is good, but we are like grasshoppers to the giants who live in this land. They are dangerous. They will stamp us out. They will kill us. We should not enter this land. We see that 10 out of the 12 were negative, which really is a representation of how easy it is to give in to being negative and critical and being afraid and how difficult it is to fight for and have a positive attitude. What happened is their filter changed the perception of how they felt. Even though it wasn't true, they felt like grasshoppers compared to the other people that they saw and the enemy in which they perceived. The facts were the same in all 12 people, but what was different was the filter. But what we understand when we look at cognitive bias, it's not just the filter that makes a difference, it's also the framework in which we view it. We can be in the very same situation together, but how we frame it determines how we see it. You know, for instance, you may wake up one morning, and you may have had this experience recently, and and you didn't sleep so well, and you wake up, and you're tired, and you're irritable, and you just think to yourself, I'm going to struggle today. Today is going to be hard. I've got so much to do. I'm going to be so busy. You know, I, I've got so many meetings and I just don't feel righty. Not only that, I got to get up. I got to get the kids ready. I got to feed them. I got to get them to school. And guess what? I haven't prepared for tonight. I got to do the shopping. I, I got to cook the dinner. You know what? I wish I could just stay in bed. I wish I could just stay right here, pull the duvet over me and go back to sleep. How, how many of you have felt like that maybe this week as you look out at the 
dark night. And what happens is that what you're thinking and the framework in which you enter that day actually quite often determines the day. But what if you had a different perspective and a different attitude? You wake up in the morning, still not have slept so much, feeling tired. You wake up and you think to yourself, I'm feeling tired, but I'm going to prepare myself for the day that I have ahead of me. I'm going to prepare myself physically. I'm going to prepare myself mentally. I've got a full day. I've got so many meetings, but I'm going to enter into this with joy because you know what? I'm going to partner with my colleagues. We're going to work together on this. You know, I got to get the kids out. I'm going to actually try and pause and calm and spend time with the children before bringing them to school. And you know what, tonight, I'm going to look forward to tonight as if it is a great time that I'm going to be able to make the meal. I'm going to be able to sit down with my family and we're going to enjoy our time together. You may be like, Sean, that is ridiculous. I'm not doing that. That's not me. That's, that's fake. Well, you know, I'm not asking you to be, you know, some positive person that jumps out of bed every single morning and fix it until you make it. But what I'm talking about is to use a different framework than you may be accustomed to, to rather than using the, the default filter and rather than using the same framework that comes so natural to you but actually is defeating you through the negative thoughts that you have, I'm talking about using a tool that is incredibly effective called reframing. To reframe your day, to reframe your life, to reframe how you see things and the definition of reframing is creating a different way of looking at a situation or a relationship by changing its meaning. It's where we take control of how we perceive things, learning to identify and correct irrational thinking and negative thinking, because here's the truth. You cannot control what happens today, but you can control how you frame it. You can control how you perceive it. Think about your life right now. How many of you you think to yourself, how many expectations that you have in your mind that have not come to pass? How many of you had have plans and preparations for your life? Maybe you wanted something in life that you thought that you would have right now. Maybe you're, you're seeing that, you know, by, by now I, would, I thought I would have been at such and such a place. I, I thought I would have had this relationship. I thought I would have had this promotion. But what I had expected and planned for, actually I'm experiencing the exact opposite of it. Maybe you spent years of your life planning for and preparing for and praying for a husband or a wife. And then you met your soulmate. You met the person, you got married, but you've ended up in the exact opposite of where you thought you would be, being brokenhearted and living in divorce. Maybe you spent so long working hard and studying and working towards a certain degree to get so that you could have a career that makes a difference. And now you look at your life and you see that you're doing something completely different than the field that you prepared for. In fact, you're doing a job that's beneath you and you ask yourself, how did I end up here? Maybe you're thinking to yourself that I had certain expectations. I had certain plans. I thought that I'd have a relationship by now. I thought that I'd be out of debt by now. I thought that I'd be in that dream job by now. I thought that I'd be able to travel more or work less or have a family by now. And things have not been working out. Why am I not where I wanted to be? 
Maybe if you've ever woken up and you think this way, and you think to yourself, this isn't what I wanted. This is the exact opposite of what I prayed for. You know, the Apostle Paul knows exactly how you feel. His story is one of where he had certain expectations, but what he experienced was the exact opposite. You see, Paul had a dream. He had a dream to travel to Rome, the center of the then-known world, the, the, the ruler and the empire of the world. And his, his vision, his dream, and his heart was to travel to Rome to preach the gospel and to be an influence because he thought if we could get to Rome, it could be a strategic place to reach the world. And so his dream, his desire, everything that we was working towards, he expected that he would go to Rome and preach the gospel, but instead he finds himself turning up to Rome and becoming a prisoner. He was captured. He was imprisoned for preaching the gospel, doing exactly what God had called him to do. Everything that he wanted to happen, he's experiencing the exact opposite. And in this place, Paul could have framed the situation in one of two different ways. He could have decided to have a cognitive bias, to have a filter and a framework, to see this through a negative lens and think to himself, God, why did you bring me here? And he, he sits down pen and paper to write to the church in Philippi to complain and to give out and to say, I'm giving up. What's the point? What's the purpose in doing this where you have dreams, you have expectations, and they're never met? But instead, Paul decides to use a different framework. He reframes the situation in a new way. In fact, in an in inspiring way. We see as he writes the words in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, although it may look so bad to so many people, has actually served to advance the gospel. Verse 13 says, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. What does this mean? It means that he is chained up to a, a, a Roman guard every eight hours, and every eight hours he gets a new Roman guard, and he is using that time to preach to them. He's asking the question, who is imprisoned? Is it me or is it them? Because I'm using this to influence them, to preach to them that all may know that I am chained for the sake of Christ. In verse 14, he says this, that not only those who are in the palace guard, not only those who are in the prison are experiencing this, but because of my chains, because of what I've gone through, because of my disappointment and my lost expectations, but yet the joy in which I find is found in Christ. Most of the brothers and sisters around the world have become confident in the Lord. Others who have seen how I behave and how I respond and how I act in the face of adversity. And though I end up in the exact opposite place that I thought I would be, Christians all around the world are growing in confidence. And this is what he says, now they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He is, they are daring to proclaim the gospel bolder than they had ever been before without fear because it's not the facts that determines what happens to us in life. It's how you frame it. It's how you frame it. You may be going through the exact opposite. 
where you, what you've planned for, what you've prayed for, what you've prepared for is not happening. But will you reframe it to see it in a new way, in an inspiring way, and allow God to use it for His glory, to inspire and encourage others who may look upon you and say, if He can do that, if she can respond in that way, then maybe I can too. You know, I'm aware that many of you have a battle going on in your mind right now. You are faced with multiple complications, maybe in health, maybe in your finances, maybe when it comes to your career and provision for you. you you've got so many situations that are just outside of your control. You're experiencing the opposite of what you had expected and the negative thoughts are raging inside of you. You're thinking to yourself, I'm so defeated. The negative thoughts are consuming. I, you know what? I'm preaching to myself here. I've been preaching to myself this message all week because I can adapt in such a way where I'm just feeling down, just feeling tired. I'm always busy. I, you know what? It's affecting me. When will things change? My wife looks at me. It's like, I birthed four little children. And you've got this thing going on right now. You can get through it. You, you can get over this. What you're facing right now is not the end. You know, I called my mom the other day. And she was asking me, Sean, how are you doing? I was like, you know, I'm feeling tired. And, you know, I just feel like the energy is sucked out of me. And I don't know what's going on. She was like, okay, so did you get a blood test? Have you been out in the fresh air? Are, are you eating your vitamins? And she's giving me all these things. I'm like, I don't want to be fixed right now. I, I don't want the answer. I want to frame it in the way that I want it. Why? Because it's comfortable. Because it's easier this way. Because I'm used to this way. But instead, you know what? I need to get up out of the way that I'm feeling. I need to reframe it to see it in a new way. I need to get up and say, okay, what's the options? What challenges are before me that are actually opportunities? I may feel defeated, but I know that I'm not defeated because Jesus Christ has set me free. I may feel like I'm in chains. I may feel burdened. I may feel overshadowed, overwhelmed. But you know what? I'm going to find my joy in Jesus. Jesus Christ, I'm going to get up from my day. I'm going to brush the, all the things off my shoulders. I'm going to wipe the tears from my eye. And I'm going to enter into this day in a new way with new fervency. And I'm going to defeat the negative thoughts by adopting the mind of Jesus Christ. You know, maybe things are not going on well right now. Well, you can change how you perceive your situation. You can change how you see it, how you frame it, and you can defeat the negative thoughts. And here's one way, one really, really simple yet effective way that you can defeat negative thoughts right now, and it's this. Look for God's goodness in all things and in your everyday. Look for God's goodness. You might feel like it's simple, but it's true. Look for God's goodness, because here's the truth. You'll find what you're looking for. You'll always find what you're looking for. If you enter into your day and your world and your life looking for what's good, you know what? You can find good. If you're always looking for what's bad, you're going to find bad. If you're always looking for what's wrong with people, with the government, with the health system, if you're always looking for what's wrong with the church, with others, with my workplace, with my colleagues, with my community, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find what's wrong. But I want to encourage you, look for God's goodness in all things. Maybe look instead for what's working well, 
for what is right. Maybe rather than looking at your spouse, your husband, or your wife, and always nitpicking and picking out what's wrong, why don't you look for what's right? Why don't you speak into it? Why don't you say, you know what I love about you is this. Why don't you rather enter into work, even though there's so much chaos all around you, and say, you know what? You know what I love about what we do? It's this. Why don't you look at your kids and always complaining and giving out about them and saying that I wish they could be more like this and actually look for what's good in them. Look for what God is doing in them and God is doing through them and see God's goodness in all things, in all ways, through every single day. Because I truly believe that if you would see that God is working all things together for His good, it will change your life. Why? Because it will change your thinking. Choose to no longer allow what you're experiencing to determine your day. But instead, here's what I want you to do. Rather than seeing the goodness of God through your circumstance, see your circumstance through the goodness of God reframe how you see it. See it in a new way, and I believe, I, I, I have experienced that it will change your life. It will shape how you see yourself, how you see others, because here's the truth. You cannot control what happens to you. You can only control how you frame it, just like Paul framed it. He said, what has happened has actually served to advance the gospel. You know, cognitive reframing, what we've been talking about, the neurological pathways, the, both the scientific, the psychological ways that we can really renew our minds, and they're all biblically based, founded in God's Word, but they empower, cognitive reframing empowers you to decide the meaning of an event you've experienced. But here's where I'm going to take it one step forward for us as Christians. Rather than just us defining our experience, we've got Jesus Christ who can help us, who can guide us, who can empower us to find meaning in where we are right now. We have Jesus Christ who we can surrender our thoughts to, our lives to, who can help us to reshape and reframe how we can see the goodness of God in all things and at all times. Hey, why don't you join me today in praying? I, I want to pray over you. And Lord, we pray right now. I pray for every single person hearing my voice. I pray that you would help us to reframe how we see this world. I pray that you would help us to see the goodness of God in all things, to look for the goodness of God. As your word says, that if we seek you, we will find you. God, I pray right now that you would help us to turn to Jesus, to surrender to Jesus, to help guide us, direct us, to see the goodness of God at all times. Hey, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're going through this life, actually, you always trying to find the meaning, you always trying to figure it out. You know, the answer that you may need in your life is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you. He is for you. He loves you so much that he gave his life for you, that he came from heaven to earth. Not just to tell you that he loves you, but to show you by giving his life for you, by being sacrificed on the cross so that you may live. And his word says that if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the grave, we will be saved. We will be saved from all things. And though the battle may continue to rage on in our minds and our lives, we're coming from a, not a defeated place, 
but from a place of victory, of life in Jesus Christ. I want to invite you today to give your life to Jesus. If you're open today and you would love to join with me in prayer, would you just maybe close your eyes or just pray this in your heart right now and say these words. Jesus, I give you my life. I'm a sinner and I need your grace. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that I am forgiven, that I am set free. and By your grace, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I believe that prayer is so, so incredibly impactful on your life because it's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer that you can continuously do. This is a relationship that can grow and thrive in your life. And I want to encourage you to do that. In fact, we as a church want to help you in this. We have created a, a way to connect with you. And we'd love for you to go right now to openarms.ie forward slash connect. And there you'll see a very simple form that we'd love you fill out some of your information. And we want to send you a text or an email to invite you what we call next steps. It's a monthly Zoom that happens on the first Wednesday of every month with myself and some of our team. There we just hear your story, ask a little bit about your life and your faith journey, and we share a little bit about our church, and we ask, how can we help you? How can we help you on your next step? That this journey that you have will be a journey that you go through with Jesus. We'd love for you to do that and join us. Go to openarms.e forward slash connect. I want to pray for you as we finish today. I pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you his peace this week. In Jesus' name, amen.